and welcome to the Wellbeing and Career World podcast. I'm delighted to be chatting with holistic psychotherapist, transformational life coach, author, and educator, Rachel Astarte. She is the author of Celebrating Solitude, How to Discover and Honor Your Highest Self. Her podcast, Self Talk with Rachel Astarte, helps listeners develop a strong foundation of self. Her therapy and coaching practice is entirely virtual, allowing her to work with patients all over the world. Uh, today we'll be chatting about solitude. A very warm welcome to the podcast. Rachel, how are you getting on this morning? I'm doing very well, David. Thank you so much for having me. No, it's my, my pleasure. So let's get this started. So where are you right now on planet Earth? On planet Earth, I am about 30 minutes outside of New York City. Oh, very nice. And what is the weather like? The weather has been quite rainy today. It's been raining, 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 but we are promised some sun later. But, you know... I won't hold out for it because weather is <laughs> unpredictable, but right. it's nice and warm. It's nice and warm. It's nice, almost summery rain. We uh, we love the States, but especially New York because of uh, just the excitement, you know, Manhattan, Broadway, buzz and excitement about the place. So fingers crossed yeah. and it gets back to itself uh, pretty, pretty soon. So I pretty much, the, the listeners are sick of listening to my voice. Can you let, let us know a little bit more about your background? Sure. Yeah. So I actually am a... Uh, pretty much a native New Yorker, although I was born in uh, Illinois, in northern Illinois, but my family moved down to New York, uh, the New York upstate New York area, actually just on the other side of Canada. So very pretty, pretty much far up. And um, yeah, so my background is a very art filled background. My father was a poet and a professor of poetry. My mother, uh, he's no longer with us, but my mother is uh, wonderfully active. She's a, an, uh, was a teacher for many years and she's a, an actor and a director and a writer herself. And she's still doing it at 82. Oh, wow. And yeah, she's, she's amazing, quite an inspiration. And, um, what's her name? Her name is Sandy Henschel. Hello, Sandy. <laughs> oh, she'll <laughs> love that. <laughs> I'll tell her that she got a special shout out and there then she's so excited. <laughs> Uh, yeah, she's phenomenal. And, um, and so I grew up in a very art filled household. So I started my life out as an actor and a writer. Um, and then, and, and I still am a writer and I do voiceovers still, but I'm not much, uh, doing the, the theater or film anymore. But at a certain point, um, you know, writing is about communication. So I had written a few books, a few screenplays, poetry, and I realized I wanted to reach out to more people, uh, you know, in, in a deeper way and, a, and, and reach more people at a time than I was able to do. So that's when I decided to become a life coach. And um, I did that. And then after a while, I realized that a lot of what I was doing in my life coaching was uh, very getting very close to doing therapy, which in this country is illegal. You can't, right. <laughs> you can't do Yeah. You can't do talk therapy if you're a life coach. So I said, well, I guess I better go back to school then and get licensed as a therapist. So I did that. And five years later, um, after all of the, the education and the, and the um, supervision and the, and the hours I had to put in um, clinical hours, uh, here I am. So I've got this combination of everything that I've done um, for through my whole life is somehow being utilized, you know, so um, I'm very grateful for that. But now I get to reach more people um, and work with people one on one. I do workshops. Obviously, I'm, you know, when I reach out with podcasts, that's always amazing. 
because this is all about communication, you know, for me is being able to touch one another with our, our words and our message and, and know that we're not alone. Yeah, no, brilliant. I mean, can I just ask, what about the voiceovers? I mean, what, what were your voice? What, how does that work? Is it like, is it like cartoons, advertisements? Is it, is it movies? Um, yes, yes, and yes. Okay. <laughs> I, <laughs> I have done um, everything from computer games to TV commercials to um, training videos uh, that are just internal, you know, um, I did, I do a lot of um, uh, commercial spots. Yeah. So. Um, All right. Have, have you any samples? Have you any that we might've, I, I might've heard of? Uh, maybe. I, you know what? I just did one for the, for Spotify oh, wow. uh, that it, it isn't, I'm not sure if I could say the name, but you'll recognize my voice if you hear it. It's actually, you know, when you do, when you have the free version of Spotify, there are ads that pop up, you know, periodically in between the music you're listening to. And I just did a couple of spots for ads that will be running on Spotify. Um, so that could be anywhere. I really don't even know at this point if anybody's heard it. So because I pay for my Spotify. All right. I'll have, I'll have to go and have a look at it for that now. The other question I want to ask you was, Rachel, Astarte is a very unusual surname. Do you know where that originates from? Yes. Um, so, so in actuality, it's a given name. Uh, Astarte is actually my middle name. My mother was a, uh, is a mythology buff and, um, she and my father decided to name me Astarte, who is the, uh, Phoenician goddess of war and fertility. Um, and so really she's what is now Palestine. She's from that area. Um, right. And pre uh, patriarchal monotheism time. <laughs> so she's, yes, yeah, so she's an ancient goddess. And so uh, what ended up happening was uh, my father is Sicilian. And so I had, I was always using these three names. My father's uh, name was Piccioni, which means pigeon in Italian. So my whole life, I was Rachel Escarte Piccioni. Right. When I became an actor, they were like, that's way too much. You've got to get rid of the Piccioni. And I said, I'll never do that. My father will never speak to me again. So um, as a writer, I kept all three names. But then as I started doing my healing work, it just became so much easier for me to just be Rachel Astarte. So then I, I legally changed my name. Uh, and he's passed, so I hope he forgives me. But <laughs> at least I didn't do it when he was alive. Well, that's it. <laughs> no, it's it's, it's interesting because it's like the, the war war goddess of so your goddess of war and fertility. Hmm, yeah, yeah. She's uh, she's connected to Inanna. I mean, a lot of people have heard of Inanna or Ishtar. It's this it's the same uh, different region, different names for the same goddess. Oh wow, pretty pretty impressive. Well, today. We're generally going to be chatting about uh, uh, solitude, and we'll be discussing about your book later on as well. So, what is solitude? Is it is it being lonely, or is it something different that goes beyond? Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful question. Uh, yeah, there is a huge difference between uh, being lonely and being alone. Uh, right. Being being lonely implies an absence of something, right? That that there's a companion or or some person or people that are not there causing you to feel an absence of connection. Aloneness or being alone is a conscious choice to spend time on your own um, in order to actually fill yourself, uh, which is so essential and fill yourself with what um, is fill yourself with, with 
your highest being, you know, the, the, the part of you that doesn't need to be defined by other people's labels or, or roles, uh, the part of you that feels connected to source, uh, the part of you that feels fully grounded and, and refreshed. So being alone is a, is a chance for you to recharge your batteries, as I say in the book, um, because we need that. And one thing that people get uh, really confused about is, well, you know, what's the point, you know, why would I do that? Why would I pull myself away from people in order to, uh, you know, have a better life among other people? And part of that is because we all need to know who we are. We need to, to celebrate the true essence of who we are. And when we take time for ourselves and recharge our batteries, and this is the important part, we have to go back out in the world and, and give to others, you know? So it's not about being a hermit. It's not about isolating yourself or being antisocial by any means. It's the opposite. It's about being completely pro-social so that when you are among other people, you are acting from a place of groundedness and, and, and fullness in yourself. So what then can be the benefits of you know, having a, a time of solitude. I mean, generally during the pandemic now, we've we've been kind of on our own for a little bit. I suppose sometimes if you're with a couple or you have your family, it's a little bit different. But what about a person on their own um, who decides uh, this could be the way for them temporarily? Uh, what are the benefits overall before and after? Oh, sure. So the before before one becomes or before one takes on a solitude practice um you know you may be very social you may be very um you know giving and loving and caretaking of your friends um sometimes we drain our energy by giving and giving and giving because we put ourselves last and we think well let's make sure my family's taken care of my friends are taken care of my 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 colleagues at work uh, society as a whole, you know, uh, doing what I can for my community, but then what are you doing for yourself? And so I liken it to you're having a party and you're filling everybody's glass with an empty pitcher. Right. Nice. So, you know, so, so to, to go in and take time for yourself on a daily basis, and it doesn't have to be a long time. I say in the book, it could be two minutes or two hours. And now I've added two days, you know, go away by yourself for two days. But, um, but when you do this, what it does is it shuts out the chatter of society. When, you know, we all know, like, David, what does it feel like? What does it mean to you to be a man? What does it mean to you to be a podcast host? for me what does it mean to be a mother what does it mean to be a therapist we when we hear these words we have this idea of what it means to be a man to be a woman right to be a daughter to be a a brother yeah. so so what this allows us to do is take time for ourselves to define what does that mean to me not what i not what people expect it to mean right so it's not like um well, if I'm a mother, I should behave this way. I should be doing these things. Well, what does it mean for Rachel to be a mother to her child? I mean, this is a very 
you know, he's an individual being my son and he doesn't, he shouldn't be treated like boy, 11 year old boy, whatever that means. You know what I mean? He's got his own personality. Yeah. So there's, there's no one size fits all. So my point is one of the benefits is being able to weed through all of the labels and roles and expectations to find out who you are. Once you find that out and it's a joyful process um, I mean, yes, sometimes we we come up against some dark thoughts or things we don't like to see about ourselves, but you know, that's that's also dealt with in the book, but also something uh, that I think is part of the beauty of getting to know yourself is to accept all facets of yourself, even the scary bits, even the ugly bits. But so you're getting to know yourself. And it's lovely to to make friends with yourself you know, to become your own best friend. And then when you go back out into the world, you know, when you're doing this as a regular practice, you're constantly checking in with how do I feel about this situation? What's going to, um, what's going to be the right choice to make um, so that everyone benefits? So it's not an act of of, you know, an, an egoistic act, like, oh, what, this is what I think is right. No, it's, <laughs> it's, does this jive with me or doesn't it? You know, what I'm seeing out here, if it's, you know, or, or um, if two friends of mine are having a fight and I'm being triangulated, being pulled into the middle of it, I can decide, well, I, I can act as a mediator or I can say, no, this is between the two of you and I love you both and sort it out. You know, rather than, it, you know, if I go by my role of friend, I would feel this obligation, right, to choose a side. But if that doesn't sit right with me, then I have that groundedness to say, no, I, I, need, to, I need to do what's right for me in, in this situation. And it, it really does help a lot of conflict resolution when you're coming from that grounded place. That's one of the major benefits. So what about then, Rachel? Say, say you mentioned earlier on, like you know, yeah, you're like you're social, and you're kind of like become the, the caretaker, and this can be quite draining. So say if you are that social person, and you're in this kind of group of people, and people see you as that social person, but now, as you've mentioned, you want a bit of me time. You know, you want to find yourself and be happy. How then can you do this without making your your friends or your family worried? Because sometimes, if all of a sudden you're being Mister or Mrs. Happy. And yeah. then you kind of back away a little bit. How, how then can you manage that? Well, it's all in the attitude of how you present it, right? So, yeah. so um, being alone, you know, and it, it does not mean not being happy. You yeah. know, it means it, it, it actually that's why the book is called Celebrating Solitude. You know, the, the act of taking time for yourself. Now, I think, you know, maybe 10 years ago, it wasn't the case, but I think now, and maybe even because of the pandemic, people are really recognizing the benefits of spending time with yourself. And, and so if you're an outgoing social person and you're saying, oh yeah, I'd love to go out on Sunday, uh, but I'm going to take myself on a hike for a couple hours. I'll check up with you later. That doesn't sound that bad, does yeah. it? No, you know? In fact, it sounds like you're taking care of yourself. And here's the other benefit of that. You model for other people that they should take care of themselves as well. You know, and, and, and also the way that you interact. That means when you are being social, you're being social at, at, a, at a truly genuine level. 
because you filled your battery up and now you have energy to spare for other people, you know? Um, so it's not like you're going to hide in your house for six months and not talk to anyone. That's not a solitude practice. That's somebody who probably needs to talk to a therapist, you yeah. know, <laughs> but, but, um, but, but when you're, when you approach it as this is an act of self-care and my act of self-care benefits the people I love and even the people I don't so much love. Trust me, I, I myself, I joke about this all the time. I used to have terrible road rage. Mm. And, and after spending more time with myself and, you know, doing, doing either meditation or things that I enjoy doing, and we could talk about what a solitude practice looks like in a minute. I just have so much more patience, you know, because uh, I realize, oh, you know, this person was being a jerk, but you know what? People are jerks sometimes. I'm a jerk sometimes. So um, I have to be a little more forgiving. No, um, no, you're, you're, you're right. I mean, but what about then, uh, you say, say, for example, Rachel, you're going on the hike, right? And yeah. you said, look, I'll, I'll check in with you guys in a couple of hours. But you have that kind of needy friend who mm -hmm. says, well, can I come along? Can I can I come along with you? But you still want to, you know, you want your solitude moment. How yeah. how can you kind of tell them in a nice way to get lost? I, I want <laughs> to be alone or I want to be. I mean, is there a way that you can actually tell them without them getting upset? Oh, absolutely. And and again, it's how you, you approach it. You say you say thank you. Thank you. That would, you know, this, th thank you for wanting to spend time with me. And we will definitely do that. This walk, this hike. I'm just doing this for myself because I need to kind of recharge my batteries and clear clear my head a little bit. But let's make a date to have a walk together sometime. That's how you do it, right? right? And yeah. and you might even want to try doing a solo walk yourself at some point. But so it's a yes and thing. I learned that in improv comedy, right? So you never say no when someone presents you with something in improv comedy. You always say yes and and you continue it, right? Yes. So remember, <laughs> everybody, you know, we're all out here just trying to learn our stuff and learn the lessons of life and, and, you know, try to look at it from a positive perspective, which is how nice that someone wants to spend time with me. Um, but you also have to keep your boundaries and say, well, this walk, this particular hike is for me, but I would love to do a hike with you another time. And, and that's the best way to handle it. Yeah. That, that's, that's a nice way to put it across. I'd probably a bit more, Look, just leave me alone. I'll, I'll talk to you in a few hours. Like, you know. <laughs> Sounds like you need to. a solitude practice. I think so. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I'm, 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 getting, I'm getting one now from, the, from an expert as yourself. So what about then social media? I mean, you know, without kind of criticizing, because obviously it's a positive thing to have social media, especially for businesses and if you want to reach out to other people. But has that made us kind of change our expectations a little bit? And we become more competitive because we see either the next door neighbors or the friends, they have this type of life, which we, we think is realistic and we become more competitive. So because of that, then the rat race continues and we don't really have this kind of solitude moments that we want in our life to like take care of ourselves because we're constantly then trying to compete. How then can you manage that? Yeah. So, so I actually have a chapter in the book called social networking, a friendly warning because the, one of the things that we need a break from is, and then this falls into what we were saying earlier about this idea of expectations, roles, labels, comparisons, all of that moves you away from yourself. 
right? When you're constantly looking at what other people are doing on social media yeah. um, and comparing, well, you know, so-and-so has the, you know, brilliant toddler and, and, you know, or is jetting off to Bora Bora or whatever they're doing. And my life is so tedious and boring, or they have the perfect relationship. Look how happy they are. Listen, you know, all of that we have to understand is meant to be put forward uh, as a positive. Look at how great my life is. Why do we do that? Because we want people to accept us. We want people to accept us for, uh, you know, for, for these wonderful things that we do, but nobody's posting um, the, the really bad stuff. Like I'm having an existential crisis. I mean, there are actually pages for that on Facebook, but, but um, you know, it's like the complainy page, but you know, we're, we're all trying to figure out like what's wrong with us. But, but the point is even that is still a comparison and it moves you away from your core self. So, so when one is doing a, a solitude practice, I warn against being on social media during your solitude time in particular, because that's not you being alone. That's you in front of uh, thousands of other personas that are trying to ask you unconsciously or consciously to compare yourself to them. And that's really, really dangerous. That's the antithesis of, of self-work. Is there any negativity then to solitude? I mean, can you do too much of it like anything else? Yeah, it's a great, great question. And it depends on how you use it. Um, I think that if you are in solitude in a way that is is a way to escape, then you may want to look at what solitude really means to you. Remember, so moments of solitude or having a solitude practice, again, two minutes, two hours, or two days, whatever it is, you know, two minutes, two hours, somewhere in there, once a day. That means you're out in the world the rest of the time. Yeah. So if, if you, but again, if you're isolating yourself because you can't handle the outside world, your battery has been severely depleted. You need to find a way to, to get your footing again. But the whole purpose is to get back out there and shine your light, not to stay solitary. So, you know, and, but if somebody is, is, and so I have to, there's a caveat there. If somebody is living a solitary life and they're joyful and they're connected and they're happy and they, they find their friends in nature, or they have maybe only one or two very close people in their lives that they see, that's beautiful. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. You know, that's what I mean. When you are your own best friend, you don't ever feel alone. Yeah. You know? You're not always depending on other people. Yeah. Okay. So if I was to come to you, right? And I've never practiced solitude ever. Mm -hmm. What suggestions or techniques could you have for me or somebody else, like one of our listeners, to introduce me to it? Like, what is it like a is it like a first session, a second session? So, how does it all start? So, if we think about our day, there are for most of us at least a few minutes during a day, any given day, already where you're alone. I'm thinking about taking a shower, for example, right? Or a bath. Yeah. Um, or driving to work or whatever. There are moments when we are in solitude. Um, start there. Start there with a, 
allowing yourself to just enjoy and be present in what you're doing. Uh, uh, allow yourself to say, I'm taking this luxurious bath for me. I'm going to use my favorite soaps and light a candle and whatever. Or if you're just taking your quick shower before you go to work, then really slow down and, and pay attention to how nice it feels to to lather up and, and, and scrub your skin. And you know, what a beautiful tactile experience that is. That counts as a solitude practice because you're bringing awareness to it. So I would start with doing something that you're already doing. Um, so you don't have to feel like this is a thing that I have to do. You know what I'm saying? Yes. I don't have time. I don't have time, right? It's not always about locking all the doors, shutting the phones off, pulling the blinds and like, okay, now what? You know what I right. mean? <laughs> right? <laughs> It's really about bringing awareness to what are the things that I enjoy. It's lovely to take a nice warm shower. It's it's actually, you know, if you're or if you're commuting to work, put your favorite music on. Uh sing along. Talk to yourself. I'm a huge proponent of talking to yourself, right? <laughs> because, because it you know and, and we can do it now. I love, I tell this to people all the time. I love that I'm in my car and I can talk to myself and even gesticulate. People think I'm on the phone. Right. <laughs> they don't think you're crazy. Like I, do they? I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't do that like a decade ago. Right. So, um, but, but the important point is that you are doing what you want to do and you are um, bringing awareness to things that give you joy Right. So even if you just want to spend your shower fantasizing about your next holiday, that counts because you're doing something regenerative for yourself. You know, as long as it's, it's making you feel good, then it counts. And then once you, you know, maybe you do that for a couple of weeks, then you might want to start carving out some actual time for yourself. Again, two minutes of deep breathing and dropping into your body once a day. Everybody has time to do that. Just, oh, isn't that nice to just kind of feel my feet on the ground, feel the blood coursing through my veins, feel what it feels like to breathe slowly, long, deep, and whew, yep, now I'm ready to go back out into the <laughs> world, yeah? So how long, or, Rachel, do you yeah, breathe? Yeah. When you do these deep breaths, I mean, mm -hmm. when you breathe in, because there's so much confusion, is it, do you hold for a certain amount of seconds and then release? So is it in through the mouth, out through the nose, in through the nose, out through the mouth, or how does it work? That's a beautiful question too. Uh, everybody has a different way of doing it. Um, yeah. From my training um, in my Kundalini practice, it's always through the nose, right? right. In through the nose, out through the nose. Um, when we are doing, when I'm working with a patient who's having anxiety, for example, I will do in through the nose, out through the mouth. And yes, I personally like to hold the inhale for two or three seconds just to really get that beautiful expanse of you know your inflated lungs and how how lovely and opening that feels you don't have to do it that way but the, what matters most is let's say in through the nose out through the mouth is that you you breathe very 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 slowly until your lungs can't fill anymore and you hold for just a second and then and then you slowly exhale. I mean, that does amazing things for your entire system, you know. Um, and when you breathe out, you can you can purse your lips together like you're whistling, or you can just, you know, 
leave your, your mouth relatively peaceful and open and let it just all fall out. It really doesn't matter what, uh, what you choose to do. Um, and what about this? What about the position of your body? I mean, are you sitting down? Yeah. Are you standing up? Is there a certain position yeah. that kind of makes this a little bit better? Yeah. So, so what you want is to have all of your energy centers aligned. So basically the best way is to sit with your spine straight and not, not, you know, painfully so comfortably. So you can put your feet on flat on the ground, or you can sit with them crossed, uh, your legs crossed, like in Lotus or half Lotus. Uh, your hands can be comfortably in your lap, um, palms up or down. And then your chin should be tucked down a little bit to let the back of your spine stretch. Yeah. Cause I know when I first started meditating, I was, <laughs> by the end of it, my, my, my eyes were like looking up at the sky. You know? <laughs> so I realized like it takes a little bit of practice, but it's, it's really not hard. Just, you, you know, tuck your chin down just a bit. And what this does is it just allows the energy centers of the body to align and and not be cramped up and and shifted about. So um, that just allows the energy to flow better. You can also do it lying down. Um, when I lead guided meditations, I often do that lying down. The only issue with a, a lying down meditation is that people tend to fall asleep. So, right. <laughs> so um, and it's if more you're relaxing. Trying, yeah. And, and if you're actually doing a meditation in order to fall asleep at night, then yeah, that's the perfect position to be in. So you're the author of Celebrating Solitude, How to Discover and Honor Your Highest Self. So what can listeners expect from the book and where can you buy it? Sure. Um, so the book covers basically soup to nuts about solitude. What is solitude? Why should we be celebrating this silly thing? Um, how you know, why do we even avoid being alone? Um, you know, and, and then it begins to go into the benefits of a solitude practice. Uh, the second section of the book is all about how to create a solitude practice and, and some options for what you might want to do uh, to get yourself started. There are also exercises in the book uh, that help you along the way. Um, and then I also break it down into different um, lifestyles for example yes you said it earlier when somebody's on their own it's very easy to carve out a solitude practice but how do you carve out a solitude practice when you're married with kids yeah. you know or, or cohabitating with kids or even just cohabitating um so i address how to how to deal with that um we talk about the in the book we talk about this the solitude and spirituality what that what does it mean for you spiritually to have a solitude practice and so all of that is is in the book um and it can be found on amazon cool so what we'll do is we'll put the links in for amazon on the podcast as well yeah. you have your own podcast show which yes. is self-talk with rachel astarte so what's that about as well yeah, so self-talk uh, started as a podcast that was really designed for my patients so that they could uh, have a chance to like continue the work that we do one-on-one. -on -one. Um, and really, it's about helping to develop a foundation of self, which is the core of the work that I do with, with patients. So I talk a lot about things like negative self-talk, how to change that, um, how to step into your spirituality, how to deal with self-doubt, dealing with the shadow aspect of ourselves, those ugly bits we were talking about earlier. Now I've started to actually uh, interview other people uh, so who 
you know, who have different aspects on, on, on the self and what, what is their, what was their journey like to where they are. And so I'll interview Ayurvedic doctors or naturopaths or uh, vocal coaches, um, human rights activists, um, you know, other performers and, and uh, writers and things like this. So it's really a, a podcast that's about developing yourself and um, and how best to do that for you because you're the only one who gets to decide what's right for you. I'm I'm, I'm being quite nosy at the moment. I'm looking at your website, which is uh, rachelstartetherapy.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, Rachel has all the information on her website. There's the link for the uh, self-talk podcast and the services as well. The podcast is my basically my version of my blog. So there is a blog that has a link to, there's a blog section or it's a media section that has a link to a column that I wrote for Elephant Journal, which is basically a yoga journal um, called Let's Get Intimate. And that has a lot of my writing about sexual intimacy and um, I answer readers' questions. And so that that's on the website. And if listeners are trying to get in touch with you via social media, are you on all the social media platforms like Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter? Yes, I am. And Instagram and Twitter are at Rachel Astarte. And on Facebook, you can find me by my business name. I think it's, <laughs> I think it's Rachel, <laughs> Rachel, I think it's Rachel Astarte Psychotherapy uh, right. on Facebook, but you can look it up and uh, you'll find me that way. Well, we'll put all the links in uh, with your podcast. As mentioned before, I'm on your website here. Uh, you've lots of services. Um, I hope I pronounce these correctly. Uh, you've life coaching, creative writing, aromatherapy. If I'm saying this correctly, is it healing modalities? Yes, healing modalities. Right. Oh, what's, what's that? Yeah, these are just the different healing modalities or the the different paths that I will take with a with a patient depending on what they need. So whether they work best with um, meditation or shamanic work i do shamanic work as well drumming uh journeying and journaling that's really important too so these are the different avenues we might take along with regular talk therapy to help patients get where they need to go so as rachel's mentioned you can catch all the information we will put with regards to links on this podcast and i just want to say thank you very much To holistic psychotherapist, transformational life coach, author, and educator, Rachel Astarte, for joining me on the Wellbeing and Career Podcast today. Thanks so much, Rachel. Thank you, David.